Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you? Um, I could be better. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're speaking for all of Atlanta right now, given what we just witnessed. Um, as usual, we're here to recap the Falcons game on Sunday. In this case, it was a loss to the hated rivals in New Orleans, the Saints, in week 11 of the 2020 NFL season. The final score, Falcons 9, Saints 24. They lost by 15. And honestly, I don't even think that tells the full story of the game. The Saints moved to 8-2. and two. They're at the top of the NFC South. The Falcons fall to 3-7. and seven. Uh, Their second loss under interim head coach Raheem Morris in arguably their most lopsided loss of the season under the new head coach. So Evan, for me, this game was really about two halves. The Falcons looked like they were uh, mostly in it in the first half. I think the game was 10 to nine at the end of the first half. Mm -hmm. Um, But the second half, it was just a complete meltdown by the Falcons. They did not score again, uh, completely outscored. And of course the saints, just ran up the score and ultimately ended up winning by 15. What's one of your main takeaways from this game? Um, that young way is pretty much the only person who showed up. Uh, <laughs> every, I think the main takeaway for me is that Raheem Morris won't like, he's not going to be the head coach because there was speculation, you know, not by me, but like by a lot of people that, oh, he's in the running to be the next Falcons head coach if they went out and stuff. Um, they looked flat. There was no game plan. I mean, there was, but if you watch the game, it's like, if you have a game plan for this, you know, the, oh, the, Falcons, yeah. last, the Falcons last game was November 8th. So if you want to say from, give them that day off and the next day off, if you want to say November 10th to now November 22nd, and that's what they came up with. And the Saints didn't have Drew Brees, as you mentioned, they had Taysom Hill. They didn't have Marshawn Lattimore, their best corner. Yep. And that's that's what you put on the field. Um, I mean, it sucks because, like, I was kind of hoping for Raheem Morris. Like, I don't have anything against him. But um, I do think it's fair to be critical of him for – keeping Dirk Cutter along and making absolutely no changes on, you know, offensive side of the ball, um, which you could say, oh, well, maybe he didn't make any change. He wasn't allowed to make changes. Well, the first thing he really did was fire the special teams coordinator, um, Ben Kotwicka or whatever. Um, So, you know, he, if he wanted to keep his job or like win the job, I guess you could say, um, having Dirk Cutter in place to, you know, get the Falcons in position to put up three field goals. That's not going to cut it. (laughs) Uh, So well said. I couldn't agree with you more. 
Um, and I've, I've seen people suggest that, you know, maybe Morris didn't have a say in it, but as you noted, one of the first things he did was fire um, Kotwika, I think. Kotwika. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we always get it wrong teams. and it doesn't even matter because it doesn't matter. Gone. The guy's gone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and you brought up the injury situation. So coming into this game, uh-huh. you know, Drew Brees with the multiple rib fractures, the punctured lung, uh, he was put on injured reserve. So actually, not only will we not face him in this game, we won't face him in two weeks when we play the Saints again in Atlanta. Um, and on top of that, their top corner, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, was also out. Now, I do want to say the, the, the Saints have some decent corners behind him, so it wasn't like their quality fell off a cliff, but it, it certainly opened up opportunities that should have been taken advantage of. Um, for the Falcons, the only injury of note, really, was Calvin Ridley, and he ended up playing. So they came into this game pretty healthy, with the exception of Dante Fowler, who was on the COVID-19 list. Um, and obviously, they don't have Tack McKinley. So I think there was uh, good reason to think that they would not be able to consistently generate pressure without those guys because they haven't been able to do it even when they were in there. Um, but the Falcons came into this game with some notable advantages. Taysom Hill's first start ever in the NFL – and yet this game just went sideways on them. Um, one thing I want to point out, because as we're covering the game, I often see some of the reactions from fans. And Matt Ryan was sacked eight times in this game. We'll get to that as we get into the statistics and, and what we saw. Mm-hmm. And I saw a few fans say, Matt needs to get rid of the ball. And I, I understand the sentiment. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, it's third down. He needs to throw it at the feet of the receiver. Here's the problem. And I I just want to address this because I saw a lot of people sort of harping on this. Number one, when your quarterback is still inside the pocket, he can't just throw it away. Um, He is still liable for being called for intentional grounding. So a sack, is it would be essentially a sack anyways. He's going to lose the yardage, lose the down. Um, Number two, in several of those occasions, all of the defenders are facing the quarterback. And I, I don't know if I can emphasize this enough, but if you're a quarterback and you don't have receivers open and you're inside the pocket, throwing it into the defense, even if you're planning to throw it at the feet of your receiver, throwing it into a defense that is facing you is asking one of those defenders to make a play on the ball. It is a dangerous play. There's a reason quarterbacks... Not just Matt Ryan. It, you can watch games from Drew Brees, from you know some of the great quarterbacks of all time. When those defenders are facing the quarterback, they will not throw it. They'll take that sack, and for good reason. They, they don't want to take the intentional grouting. They don't want to run the risk of giving a defender the opportunity to make a play on the ball to, to pull in an interception. Um, and I feel like that needs to be noted because Matt Ryan did not have a great game, uh, and I don't think anyone's going to argue that. But I think we should be fair about those criticisms. He took eight sacks. I put a lot of that on Dirk Cutter and his game plan. You know, maybe some on the offensive line and and just frankly, some of it just being the Saints having a good pass rush. Um, but you have to look at the context of each play. It can't just be with every single sack, Matt Ryan needs to throw the ball away. That's just simply not how it works. It may work that way in Madden. It does not work that way in the NFL. Um, I wanted to point that out because I saw a lot of people taking uh, exception to me pointing out these things. And 
frankly, since we run this podcast, I get to vent. <laughs> yeah. Also, if um, I can just add real quick, when you're in the yep. pocket like that, usually the replays, they show it a little more slowed down. When you're in the pocket like that, from the exactly. angle you see on TV, it's like how, like, you see the guys on the outside, right? So when one of the edge rushers, either on the blind side or the other side, they're like surrounding him. We see it, but that doesn't necessarily mean he sees it. And the time it takes to throw the ball away without it being intentional grounding does take time. Um, yeah. So it's yep. kind of like there's instances. I'm not always going to defend it. Um, there certainly is times where you can throw the ball away, but there's a lot of times where certainly. it's better to just take the sack than to get your arm up and you're going to get stripped, you know, and then there's a turnover. Yeah. Yep. It's exactly. It's easier to fumble it. A hundred percent. And I think that's a great point. It, it's for us when we're watching the game and we're seeing those plays in slow motion, we see the receiver down the right sideline, you know, streaking free and Matt Ryan's not throwing it to him. We think, oh, he missed that pass. And in real time, sometimes that is literally a split second to your point, Evan, which is a great point. Um, and again, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm defending every single play that Matt Ryan had because I want to be clear. I don't think he had a good game no, today. No, he had a terrible game. Yeah, so it, let's, you know, I don't want to pull any punches. Matt Ryan is certainly responsible for the plays he doesn't make and for poor throws and for poor decisions. But I also feel like we have to keep everything in perspective when it comes to the game because a lot of times it, it, it becomes let's pile on to this player and it's not necessarily – 100% fair to that guy, especially when we, like you said, and I think it's just a fantastic point, when we get to watch things in slow motion, <laughs> these players, they don't get to play in slow motion. Um, they get to play where uh, he has two and a half seconds to make a decision. And, you know, sometimes he's just, you know, he moves off of that read and moves to the second one. And that initial read may have freed up a split second later. And that's just sometimes not how it works. Um, all right. We have, you and I have both <laughs> vented a little bit, uh, which is appropriate after a game like this. Um, let's talk about the inactives, Evan, mm-hmm. for the game. Who was out for the Falcons? I know there were some interesting names again. Yeah. Uh, and then who was out for the Saints in this game? So as you mentioned, um, Dante Fowler Jr., he is on uh, IR COVID. So players who are on IR like that, like Drew Brees, they don't show up on the inactive list because they're on injured reserve. So these are guys going in the game who just were rolled out for the game. So Kurt Bankert for the Fa- this is the Falcons. Kurt Bankert, um, who was called up recently to the active roster, was inactive. Uh, Quadri Allison, who we've seen recently, basically taking the spot of Ito Smith, is was again inactive. So Ito Smith was back on the roster. Um, undrafted free agent uh, Tyler Hall, a corner, and John Wetzel, who pretty much just assume he's always going to be there. <laughs> and and DeAndre Sanat um, was in another interesting one who was a uh, game day inactive for the Falcons. Um, for the Saints, Marshawn Lattimore, as you mentioned, was out. Uh, Chase Henson, a linebacker. Offensive lineman Derek Kelly. Tight end Josh Hill. Running back Dwayne Washington. And defensive lineman Malcolm Roach. Yep. So no big surprises there, although I will say the curious case of Deidrin Sanat continues with mm-hmm. the Falcons. Don't understand what's going on with him. And, and you know, I guess he's he's a, a two-down tackle. He, he's a guy that's there to stop the run. Um, but again, just 
really, really weird how he's being handled as a player. Anyhow, because mm-hmm. um, he's not injuries, phenomenal or anything, he, but he's not garbage either. Like he's serviceable no. if you give him actual reps. Yeah, you and I both watched the PFF stats, mm-hmm. and he has shown, at least in that statistic, to be a decent player, right. worthy of at least being active on game day. And it's it's sort of weird that he doesn't get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's definitely, I'll say this much, I'm not going to say he's great or anything, but there's people who are on the defensive line who are on the act, continue to be on the active game day rosters who are not grading nearly as well as Kedron Sonat. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, shouldn't be surprising for this Falcons team. Um, All right. Some injuries that happened during the game. Um, Michael Walker, I believe went out in the uh, second quarter against the saints. Mm -hmm. I believe that was a hamstring injury. Um, So he, he, I don't think he returned later in the game. Um, and obviously the most notable name uh, injured during the game was Julio Jones. I think that was in the second half. Uh, he went into the blue tent at the beginning of the second half, and he did end up playing a few more snaps, but it was clear that his hamstring was continuing to bother him. And I, I think it's fair to say that once he was out of the game, the Falcons offense completely fell apart which again, I think points more to Dirk Cutter and his inability to scheme a, a meaningful offense without Julio Jones than it does about anything else. Um, but those are the only two injuries that I noted during the game. So Evan, let's talk about the Falcons offense mm-hmm. and what they did <laughs> or didn't do yeah, more maybe did. more accurately yeah. in this game. So why don't you uh, give us the rundown that's, of the statistics? Well, first off, they scored no touchdowns. Um, it was all field goals. Um, since we don't have a special team section, shout out to Young Wei Koo, who scored three field goals for the Falcons, the only points uh, that the offense technically scored today. Um, they got, you know, close at times and then just stalled and took the easy field goals. So, but we're, we're kind of used to that kind of thing. But Matt Ryan, as you <laughs> mentioned, had a uh, not great day. He went 19 on 37 attempts, 232 yards. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and a passer rating of forty-eight point five, which is not great Oof. at all. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> certainly you could say this was his worst game of the season. Um, oh, also, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna point out one of the interceptions was on the hail mary. So yeah, don't. But he also had some passes that were, were very close. Yeah, very yeah. close to being intercepted. Um, also, not really his fault, but as you mentioned, sacked eight times um, entering this game. So through the first nine games um, was only sacked 19 total times and sacked eight times in this game. So that kind of, yeah, that kind of sums up the game overall, but um, running game was non-existent. Todd Gurley had eight carries for 26 yards. Uh, Brian Hill had four carries for 18 yards. Both players had longs of seven. Uh, yards and you know going into this game it was already noted the saints had the second strongest or i guess toughest uh run defense in the league so not necessarily shocking but um yeah not great uh in the receiving game calvin ridley led the day with nine targets and caught five of the passes for 90 yards a long of 46 which i believe was like on the first drive um, Russell Gage had 12 targets, the most of anyone, seven receptions for 58 yards. Um, as you mentioned, Julio Jones 
pretty much a non-factor. Had two receptions for 39 yards. Um, and that pretty much sums up the offense. Uh, it was kind of frustrating not to see Alameda Zacchaeus after his great game uh, against the Broncos. Um, only one reception on one target for 10 yards. But some, for some reason, Christian Blake had four targets. Um, I think it's pretty clear that Zacchaeus, outside of Jones, Ridley, and you could you could you could say Zacchaeus could technically be in the running for the third best receiver, but we'll give it to Gage for now. But he should be targeted more and used more. But incompetence yes. in the play calling exists. So that is the Falcons' <laughs> offense. <laughs> I I would say it doesn't just exist. It's predominant (laughs) the offensive play calling (laughs) yeah ongoing nonstop. um the saints defense on the other hand had quite the day as you noted eight sacks of matt ryan eight Mm. eight sacks that's ridiculous uh cameron jordan who almost always has a big game against the falcons he had three sacks on the day um behind him was uh david on with two sacks uh, Trey Hendrickson with two sacks uh, and then one sack for Demario Davis. Uh, as you mentioned, the two interceptions of Matt Ryan, one of those went to safety Marcus Williams and another one to corner Janoris Jenkins. And just some other notable stats. Jenkins had five pass uh, deflections on the game. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who was one of the corners that had to step up in the absence of Marshawn Lattimore, had two pass deflections. Um, in total, Marcus Williams, Mario Davis, Quan Alexander, um, Shai Tuttle all added an additional pass deflection. This was a game where their their defense uh, honestly looked legit. But I, again, I think some of that comes down to Dirk Cutter and his play calling. So I don't want to give uh, them too much credit because I feel like some of this comes down to the fact that Dirk Cutter – uh, really called quite a dreadful game. Uh, and I, I think anyone that watched it, what's amazing is I saw repeatedly, it, because I know we we hammer it at the Falcoholic. We hammer it on this podcast that we are tired of Dirk Cutter. I actually saw former players, including Eric Weems, ask what Derek, Dirk Cutter was doing. And Steve Weish, who is an, a, a national NFL reporter, used to write for the AJC years ago, uh, make some very critical comments of Dirk Cutter. So if you guys think that we're being unfair to Dirk Cutter, let me tell you, we are not the only ones noticing the absurd play calling, noticing the the ineffective routes that he designs. Mm-hmm. Even the national writers, former players are noticing it and they're becoming more and more audible about how bad uh, a job Dirk Cutter is currently doing. Um, so... Evan, anything else you want to add about what the Falcons offense did on the day? Thank you again for pointing out um, young way Koo, who I think does deserve a ton of credit for mm-hmm. what he did in the game. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think it's only fair. I've been harsh on him in the past and that was mainly because they didn't really seem to trust him. I mean, he only had one attempt for 50 yards last year in 2019 and it was ugly, but I mean, it went through, but it like hit the goalpost and bounced in. Um, and it was like, why are they not using him for long field goals? Now, he, he has struggled this year with some uh, PATs. But um, aside from that, I mean, he's been reliable. Unfortunately, it hasn't really mattered a whole lot because, you know, you get nine points and you're down, you know, losing 24 to the Saints. Uh, that's not going to usually do a whole lot. But, you know, no. it's not it's definitely not his fault. He's literally the only person not to blame 
Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're going to hear it a lot, not just by us, but from everybody and, you know, any site you follow, any, you know, writer, um, Dirt Cutter is not doing great. And it's been like that for far too long. Um, in my opinion, you know, the, the whole Ricky Morse thing, not, not making any, any changes, you know, on offense kind of showed that like, there's no long-term fit here um because Dirk Hutter is the problem like we saw it today the yes. the play calling you know you can say what you want about the defense um the play calling was just vanilla at best um nothing creative you know the Saints and it was only a matter of time as you mentioned it was nine to ten in the second quarter um and it looked like well this could be like a terrible game where the Falcons somehow <laughs> like score on accident and win the game um <laughs> <laughs> but it was only a matter of time for the Saints to kind of heat up because, you know, Taysom Hill, as you mentioned, first game he started, um, didn't look great early on or anything. But it, it, when you're in these kind of battles where you've got incompetence on the Falcon side and you've got a quarterback who's starting his first game, who isn't really even that good to begin with, um, you know, having his first game and they're going against each other usually what wins out in that kind of situation and you can look at statistics to back it up is whoever has the better head coach because they're going to make decisions as the game progresses especially after halftime and i think that's what we saw the saints just after halftime knew what to do knew what not to do the falcons just kept doing what they were doing which wasn't working to begin with <laughs> perfectly said and i think that is going to be a recurring theme until we finally see a change in this coaching staff which I think is after this game looks like it's almost a given. So before we go into what the Falcons defense did uh, against this saints offense, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting cut. What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by my partner, Evan Birchfield. We're recapping the Falcons' loss to the Saints in the division, 24-9 in New Orleans. The Saints go to 8-2. The Falcons go to 3-7. We've talked about what the Falcons' offense did and the incompetence there. I want to talk about what the Saints did on offense and what the Falcons did on defense because this is, I guess, a little bit more interesting. Uh, as we mentioned, Brew Drees, I'm sorry, Drew Brees uh, did not play in this game. We will not see him again this year, at least uh, unless the Falcons make the playoffs. <laughs> 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 That's not happening. And 
the fact is, uh, with with his injury, he will not play in two weeks because he is on injury reserve. So the soonest he will play is the game after the Falcons uh, in in a few weeks. And honestly, we're at the point now where it, it doesn't even matter. We've, we went up against uh, a quarterback who started for the first time in his career in Taysom Hill, and we made him look like a pro baller, which I know is getting tiresome for Falcons fans. I know it's exhausting to see this defense continue to prop up players that honestly should not look this good. And against a competent defense would not look this good. And yet here we are. So Evan, why don't you give us the story on what the saints did offensively based on the statistics? Um, So Taysom Hill had 23 throws, 18 of them were caught for 233 yards, no touchdowns or no interceptions, but a passer rating of 108.9. He also doubled obviously on the ground as a running back. So he had 10 carries for 51 yards and two touchdowns along of 20. That's kind of where he did the most damage. But I think what helped the Saints the most was they were able to use him as a runner, but as a passer, he was still pretty effective. I mean, 233 yards. He had one more yard than Matt Ryan passing. Um, So, yeah. Uh, But aside from Taysom Hill running the ball, um, Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray actually had almost a exact split um, on carries. Kamara had 13 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown, while Murray had 12 carries for 49 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Um, And then in the receiving game, uh, Michael Thomas, who has been not great all year dealing with injuries and punching teammates and whatever, um, had, had obviously, obviously had his best game of the season because that's just... I mean, I would have bet my fortune he was going to have the best game of his season. Of course. Um, So, like, naturally it was against the Falcons. But nine receptions off 12 targets for 104 yards. Um, Didn't score, but didn't matter. Um, You know, lots of of slant routes, and they were effective. So what can you do? Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had four catches for 66 yards, um, one of which was, thank God – brought back on a flag because he'd be, I think it was Denard in the end zone. Yes. Um, yep. And it was like a 50 yard throw, but um, it ended up coming back because of a holding on, I believe their center McCoy. Um, yes. So Latavius Murray had two receptions, 36 yards, and that pretty much sums up the offense. Um, they were pretty effective against this Falcons defense, which should surprise nobody. exactly and i I think that's the really the thing that i think many falcons fans felt confident about coming into this game was the fact that we would be playing a, a, a saints team with Taysom hill at quarterback instead of drew Brees. and granted drew Brees has not been himself you know he is over 40 It's clear that his arm is not what it used to be. He is not the same quarterback he used to be. Even Saints fans know that at this point. Like I've seen Saints fans basically relent and say, Drew Brees is not the man he used to be, Um, which is to be expected. You know, these quarterbacks eventually age catches up to all of us. Um, And yet Taysom, who has never started an NFL game in his career, he didn't even get more than 10 snaps. In any game in 2020, he had no more than 10 touches in any game in 2020. 
That is stunning that he he started the entire game. And what to me, what stands out was even at the in, within the Falcoholic chat, we all talk, talked about this. We thought that uh, Sean Payton was bluffing. We thought that uh, he was basically saying, oh yeah, Taysom Hill's going to start, but then he was going to stick Jameis Winston in there to really throw most of the passes. But no, Winston, I don't think... I don't think he played. Um, no, correct me if I'm wrong. No, he didn't, he didn't play. play. So Taysom Hill was legitimately the starting quarterback. There was no smoke and mirrors here from Sean Payton. Uh, and, and let me be clear: Sean Payton would sell his mother out if it meant getting on a, a, an edge on another NFL team. That is who Sean Payton is. But no, he started Taysom Hill, who they're paying ten and a half million dollars per year, and he had a career game of course, against the Falcons' defense. Um, as for what the Falcons' defense did, they did have a few sacks. Grady Jarrett and Alan Bailey combined for a half a sack each uh, on early on in the game, uh, and it killed one of the Saints' earlier drives in the first half. Uh, Deion Jones had a sack on a blitz, uh, one of the rare, very few blitzes we saw in the game, which was head-scratching in and of itself. And Charles Harris also got sort of a cleanup sack. Uh, and I think, I may not be right about this, I think Charles Harris actually leads the team in sacks right now. I'll have to go back and double check that stat, but I'm pretty sure he leads the team in sacks right now, um, which is sort of a sad, sad thing. The, the Falcons came into He's this game with the leading sacks. pass rusher because yeah. I, I think the only his only competition was Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... To be fair to Charles Harris, um, I don't want to criticize him too much. He was not brought in to be a top pass rusher, so the fact that we're getting you know three or four sacks out of him is is a good development. But again, it just it sort of sort of shows you where the Falcons' defense. Yeah, that's not that's not Charles Harris slander. That's Falcons slander. Exactly, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Charles, you're great. He has earned. more than earned his keep. He was what a seventh round conditional or something trade. Exactly. So like those guys more usually than don't it. even make the team. <laughs> like, yep. So <laughs> we'll, we we are happy with Charles Harris getting sacks. We are not happy with the fact that the Falcons are yet again at the bottom of the league in sacks. Yeah. Um, as far as tackles, Keanu Neal led the the team with seven. Darquez Denard with six, uh, Deion Jones, AJ Terrell both had five, and then a handful of players from that point forward. Um, a couple of the guys that stood out, Denard had a little bit of a rough game, got called for some penalties early on. Um, and, you know, he's recently coming off of the IR list, so I don't want to hammer on him too much. Um, AJ Terrell, I thought, had a decent game. Uh, and even though Michael Thomas had 100 plus yards, if you go back and look at the game, it was because there was absolutely zero pressure on Taysom Hill. And there is only so long that your corners can stay in perfect coverage. So again, I think the first round rookie has looked good this season. I'm, I continue to be impressed by him and, and his play and his growth in a very difficult rookie season without training camp, without preseason games. Uh, he continues to impress. Um, and honestly, I don't feel like the defense was the problem in this game, even though they gave up, again, 24 points to a Taysom Hill-led team. 
I don't look at this unit and think, oh man, they were the reason they lost. I still, I don't know about you, Evan. I will ask you this in a second. I still feel like the offense was the major disappointment of this game. The offense with high paid players, with first round draft picks all across the board, with Hayden Hurst, who was barely targeted in the game. Um, this part of the team, in my mind, is what let down the entire team. It was the offense and what the offense. <laughs> we take it was offense the offense. To the offense. Right, I took offense with the offense. Um, it was the offense that failed to live up to their part of the bargain. Even though we can point to the defense and, and point out individual plays, I still feel like it was Dirk Cutter, the play calling, the execution of the offense that ultimately led to this blowout win for New Orleans. What do you think? Do you, do you agree or do you feel like the defense still has a, a good ways to go? No, I definitely agree. I think it's, you know, it was solely on the offensive shoulders. Um you could sit there and nitpick about certain stuff on the defense. Um, but, you know, for some reason, you know, Taysom Hill is just good, like, against, like, doing certain plays and stuff against any team. Um, it seems like I see this guy run up the middle, and it's all, completely obvious. Like, when he scored that rushing, one of the rushing touchdowns, it was completely obvious he was going to take it. And they didn't even touch him until he got in the end zone. And this was like basically at the goal line folks. Um, it's, it's, you know, but that's hard to scheme against anybody. And as you said, sure. A lot of us at the Falcoholic, um, we thought that it was BS that Taysom Hill was, you know, maybe he started a couple, like did like a drive or two, but we wouldn't have thought, Oh, Jameis Winston would have nothing in this game. Understand, Taysom Hill hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since 2016 when he was at BYU, <laughs> and that was to Mitchell Jurgens. <laughs> oh my god! Against uh, against Utah State, um, this man just beat the Falcons and hasn't thrown a touchdown pass, collegiate or NFL, since 2016. Like, I mean, but I, so I guess it is the defense's fault. Shit, I don't know. It's 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 this whole team. <laughs> You know, it's like it, it's a whole team. Yeah. I, like I'm not gonna, except for Young Waku, he's the only one who's who. You know, nobody yell at him this week. <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, but like it's just overall. Um, I mean, if I had to choose one side of the ball, it's the offense because they had three. Uh, they had nine points. Um, I, yeah, I just I, they exactly. were uninspired. Um, their their play calling was vanilla, as I mentioned earlier. Just nothing to be excited about on offense. And you have Julio Jones, who obviously dealt with something. But Calvin Ridley, just I know he had nine targets, but it just seemed like the game plan for him was just, I mean, four, 46 of it came off one play. Um, I don't know. Because yeah. it's crazy, too, because they started the year so strong. I think the first, what, couple games, Gage, Ridley, and Julio all were going off. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm dumbfounded by it, but... I think it's going to be interesting because we still have the Saints again. We got a tough schedule still going forward. Um, but this game pretty much put to bed the, hopefully put to bed the, hey, let's bring Ricky Morris back because this team needs a complete wash in my eyes, just from top to bottom. Yeah. It's, if there's one positive that comes out of this game, it's that. The talk that, and honestly, it was an article that published this morning at the Falcoholic that came from Jason LaComfora. Um, it, it, so take it with a grain of salt. 
Jason has a bit of a, a history, um, but he was saying that essentially the Falcons were considering Raheem Morris as a long-term head coaching candidate. I think this game may have cemented that this team, this organization needs a fresh start, period. The the Dan Quinn era, which really is, if you want to look at it fairly, is continuing into the Raheem Morris era, um, it needs to come to an end. There is something about what Dan Quinn did between 2017 and now that has broken this franchise. And it pains me to say that because along with almost everyone else, I loved Dan Quinn as a person. I thought he was fantastic. I really like Raheem Morris as a coach. I think that he deserves another chance somewhere else. I just don't think it needs to be Uh in Atlanta. And this game, in my mind, has cemented the fact that the team needs to move on. It's time to move on. It's time to write off this era of the Falcons. Uh, It's time to look for some fresh blood uh, across the entire coaching roster. Don't keep anybody at this point. Um, For me, that is the one blessing in disguise out of this loss to the Saints. I do not like losing to the Saints. I hate this team with a passion I cannot describe. Going back to the days of the NFC West, for those of you who are old enough to remember the Falcons playing the Saints in the NFC West, and yes, that actually happened. Yeah, and I am not um, one of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what year was that? <laughs> right, exactly, yes. <laughs> NFC West, when it was the Falcons, the Saints, the Rams, and the 49ers in one division. Yes, that used to be a division. Uh, going back to those days, I hate this team, but this loss, I think, cemented the fact that this coaching staff needs to go. You play the backup quarterback, you lost 24 to 9. Um, you could not figure out how to use your uh, expensive first round weapons to put up more than three field goals in the first half. It's an embarrassment. You deserve the shame that people are throwing at you. And honestly, Falcons fans deserve better than this. We deserve with all of the crap we've put up with from this franchise to still be fans. We deserve better than to watch this kind of product on the field every single week. It's time to make a change. Arthur blank. I hope you do it. I believe you will. I do believe that this is, going to spell the end of this era as painful as it may be. So Evan, um, we have a few more games to close out this season. Next game at home against the Raiders after that against the saints, any closing thoughts about this loss on the road against our division rival? Buckle up folks. Cause it's going to be bumpy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, the season's done, officially done. Like, if you were still, like, on the hopes that this team might run the table and make a playoff spot, which was technically possible and is technically still possible because <laughs> they could go win out and go 9-7. and seven. Um, oh, But man. it's not going to happen. Let me put that out there. But, um, you know, I, I think the only thing you should really do if you feel like watching these games, and I certainly, and DW certainly, wouldn't blame you if you decided to, take the kids to the park or go for a walk instead or whatever you choose to do, go golfing. I don't know. Um, 
the thing to pay attention to is the pieces that are going to stick around. Um, and by that, I mean Foy Lucon, um, uh, looking at AJ Terrell. Uh, there's some good talent here um, that's going to be, you know, Alameda Zacchaeus. You know, yep. there's some there's some talent here that the next regime, you know, is going to have in place. Um, obviously, you know, you look at certain guys like uh, obviously edge rusher. There needs to be some changes and stuff, but there's some pieces here still. I think Russell Gage is super good. I I love our wide receiver depth. Um, yep. I would prefer to see like some more practice squad guys make the roster. Uh, but the thing that scares me is Raheem Morse doesn't care about you know. Uh, what does Roland look like? So maybe next year, blah, blah, blah. Like he's not going to be here next year. Um, yeah, exactly. So they're not going to evaluate the talent on the practice squad, but I would like to see kind of guys like that um, be called up. Austin Edwards, defensive end on the practice squad, be called up um, just to see how they do, you know? So just enjoy it, folks. I mean, it's football. It's better than nothing as terrible as this team is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to be optimistic here because it's terrible. Yeah, you know, you brought up a great point, Evan. With everything that's going on in the world, I'll be honest, I'm quite surprised at how well the NFL has held up in this time. Um, we've gotten despite the pandemic that's going on and the increase in cases across the entire country, we continue to have NFL games every single week, which I think is honestly been an amazing accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful to be able to watch NFL games in the midst of all this or else I don't know where we would be mentally. Um, So uh, with that said, you know, we're coming up to Thanksgiving. We're coming up into the holidays uh, I do want to say to any of our listeners who are listening, um, please, 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 please stay safe out there. Um, we're rounding some corners. I do feel like uh, we're on the cusp of getting back to some level of normalcy. So please take care of yourselves, take care of your families, take care of your loved ones. Um, be smart about the holidays and do what you can to keep people healthy uh, into 2021. So Evan, with all of that said, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield on the Falcoholic, along with the rest of our talented writers. Um, Yeah, nothing exactly going on. I'm sure there'll be plenty of dirt cutter talk on the website this week. (laughs) Um, But yeah, as DW said, just have a safe, happy Thanksgiving. Um, You know, one thing to look forward to next time we play the Saints, we're wearing our throwback. So that's fun. There you go. <laughs> There's something to look forward to. Something we we've got to take our victories where we can find them. Um, as for you guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW, and of course, updates on our podcast at Falcoholic Pod. And of course, check out thefalcoholic.com daily for our write-ups and updates on the Atlanta Falcons. So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.